0: And host of Talk That Talk, award-winning journalist, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson.
1: Welcome to it, welcome to it. It is 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. And to my left, my guy, Matt Raftery, back with us. What's going on, Matt?
0: What's going on, T? New what are you Year? Wearing?
1: I just realized what you were wearing. It's a big day in Pittsburgh, man. It's a huge day. Oh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about it only because it's right, right? It's the only thing that's right on a Monday night. We got something. We got a, well, I don't want to say a special show for you guys. Uh, we have a New Year's show for you guys, so I guess you could say it's a special show. I was scrolling through my text just now, and I was looking at my mom's uh, tip in, and she sent this. And I apologize for not doing a show uh, at the end of last week. I think I was supposed to do it on Thursday. I didn't do the show. I actually had a situation where my allergies You guys hear it all the time on air My allergies were acting up And I had to just be safe It's getting extremely cold here in Vegas So I had to be a little proactive You guys know I have asthma So I didn't want to overreact with so much going on As you guys can tell, I'm not sick But whenever allergies and asthma speak to you You gotta react So um, I appreciate everybody who still reached out to me Uh, I think I was actually asleep when the ball dropped. I don't think I've missed An actual countdown since maybe tenth grade.
0: Now we're talking about New York ball drop or like Vegas ball. Vegas ball drop. Oh yeah, I was asleep too. (laughs) I can count on one hand how many times I've stayed up for those. Really? I just never found the appeal of it, to be honest.
1: Okay, let's have an honest conversation, really quick. Okay. Have you ever? Well, I don't want to say have. Have you ever? Have you? Well, no. Let's do it. Have you ever been to the Strip for the ball drop?
0: No, but it is on the bucket list. At some point, I want to... One year,
1: I'll, I'll okay. go to... Okay. Um, because I hear it's amazing. Pick that year wisely. Okay. And um, I don't know if I told that story here on air or not, but uh, I went with somebody, and I knew... This was years ago. And I knew that it was going to be crowded. I don't like crowds. I'm the guy that doesn't like crowds. So... Um, and then I come to Vegas, right? So I, I, I say that that I'm the guy that don't like crowds, and then I decided to tell this person, "Hey, let's let's go to the strip." And she was like, mm, "Not really wanting to." And I was like, "Well, depending on where we get like a view, it's worth it." Anyway, long story a little less long. We end up going. We end up kind of pre-gaming. so that way you don't have to worry about being on the strip the entire time. So we pregame. By the time we get to the strip. We kind of get inside, and I do see the way everything is blocked off, and that's when I said, okay, it's nasty even, even further in there. So let's just stay right here. Where we decided to stay, we were at Paris. <laughs> I said, fam, we might have saw the best presentation anyway. So in that moment, we're watching the fireworks. I turn around. She's in the middle of a full-blown anxiety attack. Because of the people. I said, oh, not doing this again. Had nothing to do with her. I'm not doing this again. That could be me next time. Yeah. It's one of those situations to where everything is beautiful until 1201. Then it's just madness. (laughs) And then it's just madness in Las Vegas. So that's, yeah. And I didn't even live in Vegas at that time, and I still chose to go to school here. Something's wrong with me. Um, Speaking of that, my mom's tipping – even if I have done this before, let's go ahead and reiterate this because my journey of self-love means giving my mind time to rest. Once again, my mom's sipping in is my journey for self-love means giving my mind some time to rest. I was just talking to somebody recently and uh, I told them that, that I, think, I think they tried to call me. I tried to call them. They tried to call me back. And I ended up telling her, I said, my phone stays on do not disturb. And I. It it was a business call, too, and I said the crazy thing is I took it off so that way whenever you call, everything's ready to go. But I told her, I said I realized that that's what I have to do for my sanity. Everybody's different in terms of what works for them. That works for me. I will answer every email. I will answer every call. I have to put my phone on, do not disturb or else I'm going to go crazy. So speaking of it, let's talk about some other things that I'm crazy about. Ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's hop right into local news. I think we got a full show, so this is gonna we're gonna take you up probably right into the start of Monday Night Football. Uh, you want to lead with that? Sure. Let's lead with it. You're wearing Pittsburgh color, actually not even Pittsburgh colors. You're wearing Pittsburgh gear. That's right. You're in here wearing Pittsburgh gear. I actually like it. I like the energy. Um, and I've always said this, and if you guys hear me repeating myself, first of all, I appreciate you for following us. But second of all, uh, I've always said that I think the biggest lie we've ever been told is that we can't have fan or we can't have a favorite team in this profession that we have. I think that is the biggest lie we've ever been told in life. Because as long as you're objective, no one cares. Right. Let's move on. That was literally all I wanted to say. So, um, let's talk about your team. Your team is sitting at seven, seven, and one. They're playing a division rival at seven and eight. Monday Night Football, week 17, that's already enough in itself, right? And then you add Big Ben, into the into the fold, into the mix. What's going through your mind? Less than two, actually, about two hours from kickoff.
0: I just keep coming back to the same conclusion. There's no way Pittsburgh's losing this game, right? Big Ben's probably Big Ben's last home game. They can't. Mike Tomlin at home in prime time against the division rival.
1: I it's against the Browns.
0: If this was ever a Mike Tomlin spot to be found, if you like went through historically and you said, okay. Show me a, a very typical Mike Tomlin spot. A lot of people would probably point to something like this where <laughs> it's late in the year, it's January in Pittsburgh, playoffs are kind of looming. I don't know if they're, you know, Pittsburgh can get there. They need probably a little bit of help next week. They got to take care of business, obviously, but you got to win tonight. I mean, maybe they get, some, like I said, maybe they get some help next week likely no playoffs, but probably really close, maybe they get to the 8th seed or something like that.
1: Is that a win for you this season?
0: I'll put it this way. If Pittsburgh wins tonight, it'll make sure that Mike Tomlin still doesn't have a losing season in Pittsburgh.
1: That's what I was getting ready to say. That's all I'm rooting for. I just I I really want him to retire without a losing record. And without ever having a losing record.
0: I mean, you got to imagine Pittsburgh's going to go down swinging tonight, at least. If they're going to go down, it's we're going to see Ben throwing the ball like 40 times. He, he may have a game, and we haven't seen a game from Ben in a while. But this would be one of those where every, the narrative is kind of already set that even though he hasn't officially said, yeah, this is the last one, it's basically the last one for Ben, whether he goes to another team, whether he hangs it up. That's the interesting part. um, I I think the consensus within the locker room is, yeah, if if this isn't the last one for Ben, it it might be the last one with us for Ben type of mentality. And that kind of goes to the front office as well. But I just don't know how Pittsburgh loses this game tonight. I can't see it. Especially now, Cleveland doesn't have anything to play for. They are officially eliminated from the playoff contention. Baker
1: might be playing for a job.
0: And that's the other thing. People are saying – the counter arguments like, well, what about Baker? And I said, okay, what quarterback do you like more, Baker or Ben?
1: To, oh, wait. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I thought you meant moving forward. That was no, no, terrifying. no. I'm
0: just talking about this game. Like people that are like, yeah. I you like know, Ben.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: like everyone likes to hype up Baker, but I'm like, you know, he if, even if he is better than Ben, it's not by very much at all. They're. Well, I would almost argue they're either the same as of right now or like you said, maybe Ben's a little bit be- better.
1: It, <laughs> that's a separate conversation about Baker Mayfield because I do have something to say about that. But I don't think it would be nice at this present moment. So let me figure out a way to formulate it. Um, but speaking about about Big, uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger, you actually kind of mentioned something that reminds me of this conversation that we obviously had in the group last night. And I thought it was a really, really good conversation. It was kind of late, so it was kind of only me and Duna going back and forth. But we talked about the mold that tom brady has set and i was explaining to somebody last night just about the idea of of the concept of rings and how tom brady has in a weird way become obviously (laughs) thanos of the nfl of all of sports in a weird way the same way that uh, i guess you can kind of uh divvy it up because you look at bill russell with his 11 and you kind of say well that's that's different like you have your 11 but we're not talking about you. And I think that's obviously where Brady is now because we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and we were talking about Tom Brady and we were talking about Peyton Manning. And I was saying about the, the list of quarterbacks with one ring is short. The list of quarterbacks with two rings is even shorter. And just when you wrap your head around it, it you have people talking about Russell Wilson is possibly on his last leg and he's out, out of here in terms of being an elite quarterback. He has one. So you could just we. I know we've talked about different. Names. We talked about Drew Brees. We talked about Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about Philip Rivers. And that conversation that that we were having in the group last night, we talked about the mode that Brady is set in terms of leaving uh, New England. Excuse me for Tampa Bay. And we, I like the fact, and this is what uh, I brought the conversation for. I like the fact that we were just shooting back and forth with scenarios. Mm-hmm. Because anything is plausible at this present moment. We said Aaron to the Dolphins. We said Aaron Rodgers to the Niners. Somebody who was was that doing it? I said no. Was that you that said uh, to the Colts?
0: Makes perfect sense to me. That's why I put it. out
1: I think there. Big Ben
0: is going to the Colts. Not a bad option, but I think if you're the Colts, you got to be fielding, either fielding, putting in whatever you got to do. You've got to be putting in calls for Aaron Rodgers. Especially if you know he's probably out the door anyway. He's going to be looking for a new team. Everybody's calling. Like, you look at the Colts, you're like, this has to make sense for Aaron. You've got a good offensive line. You've got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Their receiving core's all right. Their defense is always pretty good. And they never really coach themselves out of games. I agree. Like, even even on a somewhat bad year by Colts year, by fans standards, they're still keeping themselves within games. They're still, you know keeping games competitive. You had Aaron Rodgers to the mix. That's an easy top two AFC team. And it may even be when one- we get into
1: some local news. I will say that I did not like, first of all, timeout pause. Before I before I even go there, did you guys hear that if Carson Wentz couldn't uh, go today, that, or not today, but couldn't go yesterday, that they gave Phillip Rivers a call? If the Indianapolis coach don't want Ben Roethlisberger but they were willing to give Philip Rivers another go at it, Big Ben should really reconsider some things. That just that just kind of slid across my table. I really hope that's not the case. But um anyway, let's move on. Uh the weird thing is when I think about just quarterback movement in general, I feel like we're going to see a lot of that uh, this particular year. I, I don't think we had too much last year, but I don't think one is going to happen in Vegas. I, I don't. I don't think one is going to happen in Vegas. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But let's talk about this game. We talked about Carson Wentz. Obviously, we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders now. We're going to get into this this road game at Indianapolis because I was I've and I all right all right for everybody that's been that's been waiting for me to do this. I've come in for five straight weeks and two them my own horn about being right, about the Raiders. I said after the Raiders beat the Denver Broncos that that was going to be their last win of the season. Oops. My bad. My bad. Granted, it ne- they needed Daniel Carlson again, but nevertheless, he has a Raider emblem on the side of his helmet. That is Daniel Carlson's fourth game winner of the season, third in the last six weeks. We'll get to Derek Carr in just a moment. Can we talk about Dale Carlson, Carlson rather, and where this team would be without him?
0: Wouldn't be where they are right now. They would not. Uh, they would. Let's see. He kicked the game winner on Thanksgiving. Yes. He kicked the game winner yesterday. Yes. Kicked the game winner against Cleveland.
1: Yes. Kicked the game winner against Miami Week Four. We're
0: already talking about four wins there, and there might even be more. But we're already talking about four. The Raiders are at what eight?
1: So yeah. that's half their wins. Nine win. and seven. Nine and seven. Excuse me.
0: Nine and seven. Okay. So that's almost half their wins, off the foot of Daniel Carlson,
1: in game-winning fashion. Yeah. Like you said, there could you might be able to chalk up seven to him, but that one guaranteed because of uh, or in game-winning fashion. I don't know what more you guys want from that one. I, I truthfully think that aside from the fact that he's second in the league and uh in and, and points scored. In addition to that, do you know that he's kicking 91 – or he's making 91.4% of his kicks?
0: One of the best in the league right now. Unbelievable. Money well spent?
1: Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> Las Vegas interests me. Las Vegas is just – their their fan base is just really interesting. And hearing the things that they do complain about and hearing the things that they do brag about, nobody says Dale Carlson's name. They should. They say the other D.C. – Let's talk about him, man. Um, Second straight week, at the very least, that the Raiders have come out and scored on this opening drive. Mm -hmm. And in both situations, the Raiders, I take that back, two two of the last three, because I'm referencing the Cleveland game. Both of those games, Derek Carr is going in as obviously the starter, the proven leader. Carson Wentz just came off a COVID protocol. Cleveland was down in their top two quarterbacks. They had to bring somebody in to play quarterback. So, in these situations, it seems like Derek Carr engineers a brilliant first drive. And then what happens? He turns into Derek Carr. So, who is he that first drive?
0: I think you look at him first drive, you're thinking, this is like MVP type Derek Carr from way back before even the leg injury. Hmm now it's i mean you're right he has maybe one or two drives a game sometimes most of the time they're the first drive and maybe he'll throw one in at some other point in the game you're like all right that was all right you know he protected the ball he made good throws got some points checked all the boxes
1: <laughs> Checked out the boxes at,
0: at that same token he also has one or two drives a game that you're like bro what are you doing how many times did you say that during this Indianapolis Colts game? If you watched it, it got to the point where if they lost the game, I would probably point to number four first and say that's why.
1: And that's and that's very very interesting because I, I I was covering that game yesterday and I was watching it and it, it's funny because now now we now we've kind of the interesting part is we kind of do notes the same way now and. Ah, interestingly enough, I took my notes on my phone this time in terms of uh, the, the story outline. But I'm not even sure if I still have it here. I do have it here. But you literally see it. The second point was Carr's turnovers. Once the Raiders pulled out the game, I had to squeeze the word overcomes in the middle of that. Yeah. Because if the Raiders lost, the second point of my story was going to be Derek Carr and his turnovers. Since Derek Carr... And the Las Vegas Raiders won. That second point became, well, the second point was Daniel Carlson. But the third point became, Derek Carr overcomes his turnovers. So let's talk a little bit about it. In that first quarter, he was picked off. It's weird when you do it from this seat, and I'm gonna say something that I don't very, I don't really like to say really ever. That was an ugly interception. It just made no sense, and 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 you guys know, and I've even been called a Derek Carr apologist at times because I I don't I just simply don't think he's as, as bad as everybody makes him out to be, but um, I couldn't defend it if I wanted to. We'll get to the second one that he threw because obviously we, there's another one to get to, but there was a near interception in the second quarter, which quite frankly, Derek Carr should have thrown three interceptions yesterday. And I think that, in a weird way, I forgot which coach said it recently, but a coach came on and said that, um, and this is probably one of the most honest I've heard of Coach B in terms of this, they said most coaches like to say one play doesn't decide a game. You're, it, may, it may have been Coach Hartman from UNLV Basketball. He said, but there are four or five that will stick out to you at the end of it. And I thought that was just the most honest coach answer. You're right, one play doesn't. A cluster of them from different points throughout the game can change it. And I understand a lot, a lot went well for the Raiders, and we're gonna get for that. Uh we're gonna get to that in a second in terms of the uh the latter part of the game. But I truthfully think if that ball is picked off in the second quarter, I don't know what happens. Indy had just kicked the field goal, and they were, they were being shut out at that point. They were down 10-0, they had just kicked the field goal. I don't know what happens if they pick that ball off. So in the third quarter, you get Derek Carr's second interception. That one is the one that you got to kind of eat. That's the one that Darius Leonard made a ridiculous move for. What do you What do you want us to do with that? <laughs> he made the play. That's that. That's what it becomes. And then, as soon as that happens. And you have your moment where you say something's not clicking, something's not working for this offense. Derek Carr becomes somebody completely different over the last twenty minutes of the game or so. Now his play results. while at the end of, at the end of uh, the day, when you look at his stats and you look at his line, it wasn't the hottest line for him. And I'm not even sure if I even wrote it down, but I know it was in the story. Um, but I find I find it interesting that. Even when he doesn't play well, he usually – his counter – or his colleagues, direct colleagues in terms of the receiving core, they typically have some numbers that are pretty gaudy. And the one that pops out to me is Zay Jones. hmm For as much as Zay Jones has been utilized this season following the loss of Henry Ruggs, To find out that 106 yards When he crossed that threshold in the third quarter That that was his career high It made me look at Derek Carr different Hunter Renfro Is one catch away From 100 on the season And I don't do this And I actually said this before I told and this is the only time that I do this Because I don't feel like people do it enough And he absolutely isn't going to do it I'm going to brag for Tim, because Tim won't. So I'm not that guy to be like, hey, my cousin is – hey, my cousin is – but Tim Brown, Mr. Raider, is not going to toot his own horn. So let's move on with the story. Hunter Renfro was a catch away from being the second Raider ever to have three – excuse me, to ever have triple-digit catches in one season. The other is the aforementioned Tim Brown, who has 104. That's what I want to talk about. Hunter Renfro is going to break that record. Derek Carr is going to ensure that he breaks that record. I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm going to say it until Las Vegas gets rid of Derek Carr because I smell it coming. Las Vegas doesn't know what a bad quarterback is. No? That's going to ruin them. I, it's possible to tinker with something too much And ruin it If you're not going out And you're not getting a, a, a And this is the funny part Because every time we get here We always name different names I've named Kirk Cousins I've named Carson Wentz I've named Jimmy G I've named uh, Tua vailoa I've named all of these what, what people would deem Middle of the pack quarterbacks Andy Dalton I guess now it's Justin Fields Over in Chicago You can name all these middle-of-the-pack quarterbacks, quote-unquote. Are we sure that right now Russell Wilson would help this team? I think he probably would. Russell Everybody knows how high I was on him. So, Russell Wilson is one. Dak Prescott. He would. Trying to avoid the Aaron Rodgers and the the Josh Allens of the world. We already know the Patrick Mahomes, the Bradys. But – we already said Teddy Bridgewater is more of the middle of the pack, but n- look at the names that we're having to name to say who would probably do a better job with what he's been given than Derek Carr. We're at the Dak Prescott. He's he's not available. Nope. We're at the Russell Wilson's. You may get him, but what if everybody's right? In terms of Russ being on the decline. Is that window bigger than Derek Carr's window? wherever he is in his career. the But whether or not we agree with that right now, Vegas has to assess that. So I, I don't, I just hope don't hope that the pressure from the public doesn't lead Mark. And the weird thing is, I don't think Mark Davis feels much. You let me know.
0: I mean, I think Vegas is always going to talk to a degree. You, you know, you Let's put it this way. If Vegas wins this game on Sunday, Mm -hmm. it'll be big for for a multitude of reasons. And it could lead to a couple of different pieces staying in place, one of which being Derek Carr, because then Derek Carr can point to this season and go, look at all the controversy, look at everything we had to go through as a team. We still made the playoffs. Rich Persace could do the same thing. He could say, y'all told me in the middle of the year Hey, we need you to coach the team. Oh, by the way, your big your number one deep threat just literally killed somebody on a D in a DUI. Uh you're replacing a guy like John Gruden, mm-hmm. and you just came off of at that at that point, I think the Raiders were either hovering around five hundred, maybe there were a couple we were games. Three of, you're three and two, middle of the pack. You know, you don't really have a big cushion when it comes to the playoff window at that right. point. If the Raiders win on Sunday against the Chargers, if I'm Mark Davis, I'm taking a long look about maybe taking the interim tag off of Rich Passaccia.
1: And that that might play more into the locker room's feeling, the way that the locker room feel, feels about him. And, and the interesting part was I have found it interesting that with his background and his reputation of, of being a special teams guy, special teams coach, some of the biggest moments for him, as a head coach, still have to do with the special teams. Daniel Carlson. Yeah, like a lot of it. Like <laughs> that's the that's the. And here's the weird part. Also, not sending out Daniel Carlson. Yeah. Because we could look at yesterday on that fourth and two. The Raiders won the game because of that fourth and two. Mm-hmm. That fourth and two complete. And I mean. Conf- as I toss my pen in the air, that fourth and two touchdown, what well, what we believe to be a touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro, uh, how much do you think Kenny Moore wish he didn't touch him? I think he would. He
0: probably would have been better off letting him score than not than going and touching. They would have had
1: forty two seconds with two timeouts, maybe all three. Yeah. Oh man, that's tough. And I think they might have actually put time back on the clock, and it was forty four seconds. So yeah, it would have been something, but. That 48-yard touchdown was actually uh, Converted to a 24-yard completion And That game Was sealed, essentially then For the Raiders And I think those are the moments That I mentioned Russell Wilson because it's it's a possibility Right? I guess it's out there So here, I guess the other names that are literally on, on here While I'm trying my best not to literally look at the teams In the NFL, but let's let's literally do so but we got the two teams playing tonight is Baker Mayfield gonna do any better in Las Vegas than Derek Carr no I would take is Derek Ben Carr. Roethlisberger in his last two seasons or so going to do any better than Derek Carr I'd take Derek Carr okay you want Taysom hill nope I'll take Derek Carr okay you want anybody in uh sitting behind um Zach Wilson right now absolutely not you want Nick Foles too? no okay
0: talk about a name that bad name that's won a ring
1: <laughs> Don't what? do that Talk Don't do that I'm, I'm, You're not doing that
0: <laughs> I mean th- there's been Obviously great quarterbacks That have won one ring But there's also been Nick Foles that's won a ring I'll leave it there
1: That's insane Alright I'm done with this one And I swear I'm gonna get out of here Does Jared Goff make this Las Vegas team a better team? No Thank you Thank you No Thank you There is some people right now Yelling If you're not watching this Or listening And or watching this live Via Facebook Live We appreciate you guys And you're listening to this on SoundCloud or wherever this may be, if you're mad, grow up.
0: All you need to know about Jared Goff, if you, if you, if people, and this is more so for the people that are the big Jared Goff supporters, look how good the Rams are doing right now without Jared
1: Goff. It's not fair. That's Matthew Stafford. That's not fair. Does Matthew Stafford make this Las Vegas team any better?
0: No, because I think Matthew Stafford works best with the Rams.
1: I think Matthew Stafford works best with a competent coach. I'll give you that. I'm too. not saying that Rich Bisaccia isn't a competent coach. I just don't think he can cater to Matthew Stafford the way he needs to be catered to. Oh
0: no, I would take Sean McVay over Bisaccia any day.
1: Oh, that goes <laughs> that, what I That's
0: not even a debate.
1: I don't think we're definitely gonna. I don't think we're gonna. We're gonna spend any time on that no, argument. No, no, no. I think it's more. My argument was more of what Matthew Stafford needs. I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you talked about the game that's looming and. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't I didn't know if this game was going to be worth anything to the Raiders by the time that they rolled around, but lo and behold, okay. I would love to say a winner take all game. But the conversation that has circulated today about the around the possibility of both the Raiders and the and I want to say the Coach, the Raiders and the Chargers getting in, if the Coach were to lose to the Jaguars. We're in the last week of the season And that stuff typically happens I'm not willing to pick Jacksonville In the pick'em league yet But I kind of have a good feeling about this It probably doesn't mean much said the Raiders would go to the playoffs anyway But I have a good feeling about This Jacksonville game Just because
0: So I'm trying to think The Colts right now would be in the playoffs right? Right and now yes They won't lose this game Week eighteen. Look at this too. Week eighteen, or I guess historically was week seventeen. Now this year, week eighteen. If you're looking, whether it's a pick'em contest, whether you're just you know betting big picks, whatever the, you always have to ask yourself the question with every game. Okay, is there a team in here that's actually playing for something? Yes. The Colts are playing for the playoffs. They will. They will beat Jacksonville.
1: Okay. Here's the deal. That's why I thought they were going to beat the Raiders.
0: No, because the Colts figured, and maybe not the Colts themselves, but Colts fans figured, okay, if we don't get the Raiders, we at least have Jacksonville the following week. And Jacksonville just got absolutely worked by New England. Which is why,
1: uh, see, well, first of all, one major caveat, and no disrespect to Frank Wright, but he's not Bill Belichick.
0: No, but he did beat Bill Belichick.
1: Very true, but now we're looking at teams. I'm just saying, do you feel like, see, never mind, because now I'm going to, what I was going to say was going to sound disrespectful. But what I was going to say was, who do you think can get away, or who do you think can get more out of less? And I don't think that would be a debate. Belichick. I don't think that would be a debate. That was kind of, yeah, sorry, Frank. Belichick has a rookie QB and is in the playoffs. And put up 50. Yeah. Won a game with that rookie QB with him throwing the ball three times. Right. Like, and, yeah, man. <laughs> Watch Mac Jones win a playoff game.
0: If that's the case, then Mac Jones needs to be rookie of the year. Over we don't
1: count that, though. We don't count playoffs, technically, in that regular season award, correct? We shouldn't. But if he wins a playoff game, he's going to get it?
0: Probably. I mean, right now, if if the voting ended tonight, I would put my vote in for Mac Jones over March Chase.
1: He completed a game with three pass attempts.
0: But look at Jamar Chase up until the last two or three weeks.
1: He said he couldn't see the ball to begin beginning of the year. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at with it. And we want to name this guy the Rookie of the Year? whether as- <laughs> Absolutely. Whereas Mac Jones has— Because if he can do that without being able to see the ball, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, well, now. <laughs> he's. He's. I mean, he's had, like, 14, 15, 16 games where he's been able to see the ball okay. Like, Mac Jones, I just think, has a better body of work
1: overall. Kind of hard to argue when you— Got the Patriots playing the way that they are. Um, Let's talk about this playoff picture really quick because technically right now the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed. Uh, I would say who would have thunk it, but I think a lot of people are really, really high on Mike Vrabel. A lot of people are saying Mike Vrabel for coach of the year. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Because, again, we just talked about that man up in Foxborough. I feel like he's, he's in the discussion every single season. Every single season. But let's talk about what these matches would look like if the playoffs were to start today. The Tennessee Titans, they get the bye. They're the only team that gets the bye. And this is where it gets fun. Because you get the Kansas City Chiefs sitting at number two, and you would have the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, if the coach were to win on Sunday and the Raiders were to win, that spot would be reserved for the Las Vegas Raiders. How how much do we as sports fans love divisional matchups in the postseason? I think they're great. Except this one.
0: <laughs> this is the one I don't want to see. Because Why? we've already we've already seen it twice. We know the Chargers we... got one from him. Well, no, I mean, as far as if we're talking about Sunday's game, Sunday's game should be great. But I'm just saying, like, if the if the Raiders and the Chiefs meet each other in the playoffs. I agree. We've seen this twice already. We know what happens you think the Raiders want to go for 120? And Yeah, come on now. Come on. Two, yeah, two double-digit losses in less than a month to the same. Yeah, no, come on. We've seen this already. <laughs> so on. are you
1: rooting for the Raiders to either be sixth or are you rooting for the Raiders to just not make it?
0: You bring up a good point. Raider fans should probably be rooting for the Colts this Sunday. Like really rooting hard for the – or not the Colts, excuse me, the Jaguars. <laughs> for the Jaguars. The, the Colts to lose. They should be
1: – yeah. Got to get rid of the Colts. Yeah. Speaking of the Colts – If the playoffs were to start today, the Colts would be playing the number three Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North champion, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow against that defense. Interesting to see. And then lastly, Buffalo and New England would be the other wild card matchup. Let's look at the NFC really quick before we move on. I will say that colts Bengals matchup is interesting. That would be be amazing. That would probably be the best game of the AFC uh, wild card weekend, correct? I think the Colts would get them. Wow.
0: I kind of disagree. A running game can travel.
1: That is very true.
0: A defense can travel too.
1: That is very true. You know what's weird though? I'm going to say this and I'm going to get out of here. Because I don't know how long, how far back I need to go to this, but I said Joe Burrow was going to struggle his rookie season. And I said he was going to struggle a lot. And I said he wasn't going to be bad by no means, but he's going to struggle. He's going to uh, realize that these players in the secondary are just quicker than some of the ones that uh, were in college. These linemen are quicker than some of the uh, the ones in college. And I said, I don't think he's going to be a bad quarterback. I don't know what the ceiling is. I don't think he's going to be a bad quarterback. I said, but that second year, I said, I think Joe, and I might even said that it's going to be the opposite of a sophomore slump for Joe. I, think, I thought his first year was going to be rough. We understand that the injury kind of handcuffed him with that. But this is what I expected this second season. What I will tell the league now, and this is where I'm going to say this and get out of here, don't let Joe Burrow get a ring in, in year number two. Let's move on. If we look at the NFC, the Green Bay Packers would technically be the only team to get the bye who do we like more out of those two teams that have the bye? If they, if both of those two teams made it, the Packers and the Titans in the Super Bowl, what are we looking at? I like Green Bay. By a lot?
0: I'll take Green Bay by a touchdown.
1: I like that, too. I think it's interesting because I think Mike Vrabel is one of those coaches. I think he has one or two special plays. For each game in the playoffs So I think he would be the coach that we would get to the Super Bowl Similar to Sean Payton And we have to pay attention to every single play Similar to Andy Reid We don't know what he's cooked up just for this game alone No disrespect to Matt LaFleur I don't know how many special plays he's going to have If any So let's talk about it Um, The number two seed As it stands right now or the Los Angeles Rams? I told you guys earlier in the year. I believe I picked the the, the uh, Packers to beat the Rams during the regular season because I said, unfortunately, in my heart of hearts, I feel like if they meet in the postseason, I think the Rams get them. And that's what that's what's, that's what's uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. L A just just scares me. But if the playoffs were to start today, they would play the team that you said we're going. The team that you said we're going. The Eagles have landed. The Eagles have landed. Currently, they're the, they're the seven seed. Obviously, the six seed is still up for grabs. The six and the fifth, rather. But you said Philadelphia was going to make it. Our win last night over the well, the Green Bay Packers win last night over the minute uh, over the Minnesota Vikings secured that spot for the Philadelphia Eagles. Are they are they out in one shot? The Eagles. Yes,
0: they would be playing the Ram. Hmm. It doesn't
1: matter who they play. They got the Rams, the Bucks or the Cowboys. I don't think Philly moves on. And I love Jalen Hurts. I've said that.
0: I think out of those 3 teams, they might get the Cowboys because of the divisional matchup. And Dallas is very in a sense very hit or miss given what we saw yesterday. You could probably label them as a hit or miss team. Right. And this is that would be a game that I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, Dallas should take care of them." Philly's got Jalen Hurts at quarterback compared to Dak Prescott, and that's right about the time Dallas falls flat on their face.
1: And then you would have Tampa Bay playing San Francisco. <laughs> you want to talk about what they would tell us for a week straight? We know what the with the what the yeah. matchup would be, or with the with the <laughs> the matchup. Obviously, we know what the media mashup rather would be. Can I go ahead and be a party pooper and say I don't want to see this? I guess it would be cool because Brady is from that area. Right. To see Brady take his Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or rather welcome in his – his his uh, or welcome in the San Francisco 49ers to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think it would be one of those situations where the hype would be too much for it, and it would probably be the worst game of wild card weekend. Yeah. I don't think it would be close. I don't think it would be exciting. I think Tampa would game manage and I think they would run the football. Yeah. Tom. Even without uh why am I going blank on his name? Leonard Fournette.
0: Yeah, Tom doesn't lose in the wild card. It's like that's like Bron losing in the first round, right? Just doesn't happen. <laughs> and then it happened. <laughs> that would be crazy though.
1: Hey man. You let me know. Uh, and then in addition to that, the Cowboys would have the Arizona Cardinals. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to do it. I don't know why everybody was looking at the the Cardinals as if they were just down and depleted. That game that I picked the, with the, over uh, Green Bay was when everybody was kind of like, oh, well, see, they're not this, they're not that. I still think Arizona is all of those things. So whoever draws them in the first round, good luck. Uh, let's get to some serious conversation really quick. We've had a lot of football talk. In this first uh, hour, obviously, we're about 40 minutes in. Legendary, legendary, legendary coach, broadcaster. Oh, my gosh. In in terms of the video game, just video game martyr. Legendary John Madden passed away December 28th at the age of, excuse me, at the age of 85. That was three days after... The documentary All Madden Dropped on Christmas Day. Uh, 10-year coaching career all with the Raiders. A career mark of 112 wins, 39 losses, 7 ties. That is a career mark of 7 – or win percentage, rather, of 731. He's a Super Bowl champion – excuse me, Super Bowl eleven champion. In addition to being an AFL champ when he was the linebacker coach, he was also named the AFL coach of the year in 1969. Take it away. I mean, a guy like
0: John Madden, I think, deservedly leaves a lot of people speechless when you talk about John Madden passing away. Um, I will say that, was it Thursday, I guess it was, so two days after he passed away, um, me and a bunch of friends were at the uh, Las Vegas Bowl, and we were just walking around before the game. And on the 200 level of Allegiant Stadium, if you go towards, if you walk past the torch, like you're heading over towards the suites, mm-hmm. you walk past John Madden's name. It's all it's hanging up there with all the great raiders that have come through the organization. I can tell you there was a lot of people taking pictures with that particular mural at Allegiant Stadium, and I mean, especially a lot of the the younger kids, they remember. The Madden video game. Absolutely. You know, you, you hear the, the old raspy voice of John Madden coming in on the commentary. Yeah. Um. I mean, winningest head football coach with a minimum of 100 games ever. Ridiculous. I mean,
1: I think the stat was... Youngest to youngest head coach to win the Super Bowl at the time. That was in 77. He was 32 years old. Young, that, does that record still stand? Let me actually confirm that. You can keep going.
0: And, I mean... For one, he was the youngest head coach hired by the Raiders. He's the – and there was actually a stat out that the next closest coach to him when it comes to winning percentage is um, Belichick. And Belichick would need, like, to win, like, the next 130, 150-some games in a row to catch John Madden. Like, John Madden, the dude never lost –
1: and that's what's so interesting. He's like
0: he was like Nick Saban for that era, if that if I could put a comparison down.
1: Bigger than that, he was Nick Saban of professional sports. Exactly, yeah. That's I think the baffling part to it all. Currently the the youngest head coach to everyone in the Super Bowl. I believe he was forty now that I think about it. John uh John Madden may have been, he was 32 when he took the job, I believe. Yeah. He retired at 42, won the Super Bowl two years before he retired. That would make him 40 when he won the uh, Super Bowl, making him the youngest head coach. Mike Tomlin is now the youngest head coach. That was in 2009 when they beat the Cardinals. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, when it was, uh, the Super Bowl win for the P- Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cardinals in 2009. Mike Tomlin was 36 years old. So that's the new record. I believe that uh, Sean McVay would have had it if he, the he, Rams would have beat the Patriots. Right? He, he would have had to, right? I don't. Sean McVay thirty six, right?
0: Yeah, I, I maybe Sean McVay just turned forty. But like we the, miss you. I can't imagine Sean McVay's that old. He doesn't seem that old.
1: Nah, Sean McVay is not forty. That's not my guess. No, no, no. That's not my guess. Sean McVay is thirty five.
0: Okay, so he would have definitely had it. He would have. Got it by a few years
1: 32, 33 That would have been insane um, So this And obviously you you kind of just talked about it right now Just in terms of <clears throat> Excuse me In terms of Being speechless when it comes to John Madden And I thought it was interesting because uh, A lot of people during the documentary Had mentioned actually the ow, Had mentioned actually That John Was known As by three different eras, as three different things, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting. Uh, Howie Long said that obviously that's coach, and th- when he was a broadcaster, everybody called him John, and then he was saying that this y- this younger generation, and I'll, I'll proudly accept my generation. Um, we called him Madden, <laughs> and yeah. that's just where it is. That's just that's that's what he is, and and it's become so much more than just the name it's a brand it's a legacy it's it it's it's a feeling it's an impact um like you said before I, it's it's football john madden was football and i remember some of my uh being a growing up a packer fan and, and remembering so many just brett farve moments and John was on the call, <laughs> like that's just the way that the way that it kind of shook out. And obviously, I pray for his family. I pray for his children. I pray for his wife. I pray for everybody involved. I pray for uh, former players, former coaches, former just anybody who had anything to do with anything that John Madden um, had his hands in. And I thought it was really interesting in, in the beginning of that doc that he said that um, he, he said his name is John Madden. He said football coach. He said broadcaster. He said he went in video games. And then he said that he also does pretty well in business. You don't say. Did right. You don't say. Did right for himself, I guess. I, I guess so. <laughs> I guess you kind of, you know, carved out a spot, like yeah. I always say yeah. carve out your spot. I think, if nothing else, John Madden not only carved out his spot, but carved out a couple of others for some other people next to him. So uh rest in peace the legend that is john madden i know that the league is going to continue to 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 do this properly i i, I like what the raiders did here in in las vegas but literally every sign with a Legion attached to it uh had coach's picture and had his sunrise and sunset dates and uh or years rather and oh it was a lot uh, it was it was a lot in those moments uh, i did have somebody call and check on me and that was uh, interesting because it just goes to show what, what John Madden meant to uh, people that have never even been within arm's distance of him. So, again, we appreciate everything that you have done for not only football, not only for the sports world, but for the world as a whole. We appreciate you, John Madden. <clears throat> right here is something that I know John Madden would care about. Because it indicates winning. For the fifth straight week, this pick'em league has not moved in terms of order. The games have gotten a little tighter, but it hasn't moved in terms of order. I'm still sitting in first place. I am 150 and 89, 150 and 89. Salim is three games behind, 147 and 92. You're three games behind, uh, Salim. Matt at 144 and 95. Daryl is two games behind you at 142 and 97. Daryl, I mean, excuse me, and Duna, I think you're slipping the wrong way, buddy. You're 14 games behind. You're 136 and 103. You want to know the weird part? Hmm. Everybody went 11-5 and five this week. That's scary. Except for you. You went 12-4. and four. I have to, like, go back and make sure that this is to, – to look at all of these weeks, to make sure I follow all of these trends, but I don't know the last time at all five of us had a week like this. We've had four, maybe three of us. I don't think all five of us have had a ridiculous week like this. So, this just goes to show where we are. And similar to everybody who's trying to make fun of Duna, and Duna even makes fun of itself for being "quote unquote" last place in this league. Duna's thirty-three games over five hundred. Thirty-three. When you look at when you look around at the at the at the landscape of sports analysis or across the board, any sport. We don't see very many people that many games over 500. First of all, we don't see that many people giving their opinion on every game. NFL Network, obviously, they're going to run through every game, but a lot of these other places don't want to do it because they'll get held to the fire. Speaking of held to the fire, let's talk about the Knights. You like that? That's right. That's pretty good. I tried. That was I pretty tried. good. That was pretty good. Let's talk about it, man. No, I'm not saying anything. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're t- we're at Winnipeg. You figure it out. We're t- we're talking about Winnipeg. Figure it out.
0: Does Winnipeg really surprise anybody? The Winnipeg game, I should say.
1: This is what I'll do. Um I didn't watch this game. I followed this game. So obviously to put the game in a snapshot, this is what I'll do for you. This is my takeaway from the game. Great that the Knights were up two or two-nothing after the first uh period. However, it only took two minutes and 39 seconds for the Jets to tie it. Those were the first two, a part of four unanswered goals. Before the Knights had to literally scramble to send the game in the OT. I mean, this is why, regardless of where they sit, I'm not taking my hand off the panic button.
0: I don't think they're making the playoffs. Hmm. The goal. I don't think the Golden Knights are going to make the playoffs this year. you be- explain that. Only the knights, and they've done this is not just a one game occurrence. They have done this on a numerous amounts of occasion this year.
1: I'm locked in, man. Hold on, wait. I'm locked in.
0: How many times can you go and you can say, "Okay, that was a good start from the knights," and then right as you finish the sentence, the the the, the opponent is either within one goal, they tie it up. Remember, it only took after the first goal from Winnipeg yesterday. It only took another 20 seconds to get the second goal. And that was with Brosois in that.
1: That was my next point.
0: I mean, granted, they were within inches of a shutout the other day. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, 11 seconds away.
1: That text was the greatest text probably of the year. And the year just started.
0: Watching that game, I literally said, are you kidding me? Because that's about as close as you're going to get to a shutout without
1: getting a shutout. I don't think you answered the text back. Oh, I didn't. Are they getting one this year? Well, then, And I'll let you guys know what the text was. Uh, Matt texted the group immediately and said that the Knights were that close to a shutout. He said specifically 11 seconds close to a shutout. I texted Matt right, right after and said, do they get one this year? I had to think about it. This is scary. I
0: think they get one. But it's going to be like a... Wait, a alone one? I can't see them getting two. They may Hell,
1: not, okay, wait, hold on, wait. So if it's one and zero, give me a percentage. Are you leaning toward the zero?
0: I probably would lean a little more towards the zero. Wow. Because it's like clockwork at this team. I, I say it all the time. You know, Brochois being a little bit better as far as keeping the goals allowed percentage down... You look at a Golden Knights game and you think, okay, we're going to at least have a goal on each side. We know we're going to get at least 1-1. It's just a matter of how much more from there. Now, the Knights offense, to their credit, has been probably one of the better ones in the league. Right. But that's almost because they've had to. I think if you're giving up two goal leads in relative easy fashion, that's going to catch up to this team at some point. And they're not playing, you know, really – they're not playing weak opponents either. I mean, they're playing teams that are relatively close to them when it comes to points in the standings. They're playing teams that are pretty close to them when it comes to record. And sure, you can make the argument that, like, oh, when when Jack Eichel comes, you know, into this rotation, they're going to really be
1: a playoff team then. Uh, Somebody did – specifically pinpoint Eichel and what he's going to bring to the team, he's going to have to adjust when he gets here.
0: I would say he might be that valuable, but maybe not right away. I mean, the whole reason we're saying that, you know, the Knights, we we shouldn't be taking our hand off the panic button of the Knights, that they won't, you know, be making the playoffs, is because just as quickly as this team can, you know, get – Four or five points on a road trip, or they can, you know, go and win three or four in a row, they can flip the switch in a snap of a finger and they could just as easily lose three in a row, lose four in a row, not look competitive. Although it only takes one of those droughts to really start losing your ground in the standings. Mm-hmm. I think, as of right now, regardless of how well they've been playing, Maybe it's just I need to see them play a little bit. They keep seeing them, seeing them play this well consistently. Then I can maybe go. Okay, maybe there's a chance here for the playoffs. I think the Knights are one of those surprise teams that are out, and people go.
1: How does that even? How, how would it happen? Because you're saying that at this point you're and you're obviously you got something to back it up, but. How How is it going to happen? Because there's going to be an implosion somewhere. Afterwards, everybody's going to have to go. What, 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 how, 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 did, how did you land here?
0: The offense is going to run out of gas at some point. Mm. It's not sustainable to be putting up four goals a game, three or four goals a game. We've seen this very Knights team, maybe not to the T, but a lot of the, the same core pieces. We've seen this team put up 50 shots on goal in a game and walk away with one goal. Sometimes even walk away with nothing. Yeah, we've so, so we've seen this team have offensive droughts. Ironically enough, they usually happen at the end of the season. I'm not trying to connect dots and cross T's and all that. And dot I's, I's. Get
1: everything all, all signed, sealed, and delivered.
0: But it's something to keep an eye out for, given we haven't even gotten to the all-star break yet
1: it just got to the new year just got to the new year and we didn't actually say the score but the the Knights lost to the Winnipeg Jets 5 to 4 their record is now 20 this cuz you're going to make me sound crazy mm-hmm. but the Knights record is well they're now 22 12 and 1 45 points they're first in the Pacific But now they're not tied for first in the Pacific. They're outright first in the Pacific. So you know what I was looking at? Hmm. I was looking at the fact that they were two points off of Tampa Bay for the best record in the league. Let's move on to Tuesday. So tomorrow, the Knights are looking to get back on the winning track by hosting the Nashville Predators here from the T-Mobile Arena, the Fortress, at 7 p.m. Are we expecting a win? Tell me what you expect.
0: The first thing that comes to mind is it's a close game. Aren't they all? Yeah, that's very true. Um, that, that, I'll start there, I guess. It, it's a close game, probably a little more high scoring. So, you know, maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 4-3, 5-2, something. Or I'll go 4-3, maybe even 5-3 if you want to throw an empty netter in there. Right. I think the, I think the Knights get this one. I don't feel great about it, Uh-oh. but I'll give them like a 60% chance to get this one.
1: I was going to
0: ask chance, percentage chance. I I'd, I'd give this like a 60% chance.
1: I don't remember what you said earlier to start the year, but now I need an updated one. Their percentage to make the postseason is what in your mind?
0: It's a coin flip at this point. <laughs> remember... St. Louis won the Stanley Cup being one of the worst teams in the NHL at a certain point. Statistically, they were at the bottom of the league at the all-star break. They came back and won the Stanley Cup.
1: And it's, well.
0: And even if you want to say that the Knights will get to the playoffs. They're, they are got to go
1: to the playoffs.
0: They're not out of the first round. They will be like, if you go back and you remember Tampa Bay, before Tampa Bay won their championships, I think it was the year before. What happened to Tampa in the first round? You tell me. They got swept 4-0 as the top seed.
1: I was about to say, too, but there was a lot of disappointment that season, and I think that's why we've seen the vengeance that, they, that they've they been on since. And, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. The, the Knights, they've had that, and I feel like they've had a lot of it. And I kept telling everybody, I feel like this is just uh the hockey gods' way of, uh well, kind of the kind of all of the sp- the sports gods in a way, kind of telling Las Vegas this is the. I don't think Vegas is gonna have to wait hundred years for a championship, but there are cities that do, and I think that's one of the things that Vegas is going to have to endure. I think Vegas is going to have to endure a lot of close ones, a lot of close calls and we've seen it with the Aces, we've seen it with the Knights and and I mean we'll see if we see it with the Raiders this upcoming week 18, but we've seen it in moments and I, and I think that's kind of with the, the I don't want to say mantra, but it's kind of been the energy around the Knights, that they're going to be the ones to probably be the first to do it I think it's the Aces, but whatever, I could be wrong I don't think I am um, This is the part that I feel like can't happen. This is the most critical point. I feel like it can't happen. You can't trade Mark Andre Fleury and then not make the playoffs. Like I don't, I don't think those two things go. I don't think those two two things coincide. They're not supposed to, at least.
0: They're not supposed to make the playoffs if they trade Mark Andre Fleury. No, they're
1: supposed to make the playoffs. If you got rid of Mark Andre Fleury, you're supposed to make the playoffs. I think it's the other way around. I think this is what I'm saying. I think we all thought that, which is why we thought Marc-Andre Fleury should be here. I think in terms of their thinking, since you did that, there's no way you shouldn't make the playoffs because of that. Because that means the guy that you have is better than him, right? Let's move on. Speaking of people that are better than people, because now this this has created a whole lot of conversation that I didn't really want to have, but people have been asking me about it. We're going to keep talking about local news, still talking about the pros, we just referenced this team. <laughs> We've caught this for quite some time.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I will say, I, I will say, um, I was even, like, I tried to be wise when I chose my words, but I don't run from too much, so I'll go ahead and, and say it on air, but uh, or reference what I said on air. Um, I said a long time ago when speaking about, actually, before the start of the NBA season, I was speaking about uh, Becky Hammond Aside from her not getting the job, I don't feel like she really got a fair shake, even mm-hmm. in terms of the interviewing process and the NBA. And and I understand that some people kind of slid into some positions that they were waiting for, and I guess you could you could say that it makes sense, but it didn't make sense why her phone didn't ring more, at least during that time, at least what we, what we believed to ring more in that, during that time. And... I said that I felt that Becky Hammond had earned a job in the NBA. And I think I even said in the moment, not that that the the WNBA is any less, but she's working for it. It's the same thing with, ironically enough, with uh, John Lucas. Former NBA player John Lucas. um, He's now a Lakers assistant coach. I was here during John Lucas's first summer league game coaching. John Lucas coaching the G League. Like, these are the moments he earned his spot. I'm pretty sure John Lucas wants to coach in the NBA one day. Unfortunately, there's not a G League for the WNBA. So you can't exactly have the same foot pattern. For what Becky Hammond did. So that's more so why I said what I said. And are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Now that I've said all of that, this is why I don't run from anything. We thought that Coach Pop was going to step aside whenever he does step aside, which we probably anticipated. I think we, me and Tyler, shout out to Mr. Shirt sure thing, Tyler Sure, had anticipated maybe two or three more, three seasons max for Coach Pop. We said he'll probably move out of the way and give Becky the seat, right? Maybe Tim would be her assistant. Maybe something like that. Can I just say, in hindsight, and I should have realized it in a moment, this is so much of a better situation for Becky Hammond to be in than coaching the Spurs that are probably going to be in purgatory for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Why do I like this move so much? It fits. You look at it on
0: paper and you go, How does this lose? Now, we don't obviously know the exact details of what went behind the whole Bill Lambeer situation. Right. It caught me off guard. I thought, wait, wait a second, we're hiring Becky Hammett? <laughs> I didn't even hear about Lamb Beer getting fired. Now I mean, okay, maybe it's one of those things they, they kept, you know, kinda of behind closed doors. They said, you know,
1: you want to get to that first? Because I have some a little information on that. Please, please. Because I, I was trying to look up. I was like, what happened to Bill Ambeer? They didn't say anything about Bill Lambier. Here's the interesting part. This is this is where I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I seen her uh, Becky Hammock be announced as the coach, I said, okay. I said, that doesn't really surprise me as much because Dan Padover is no longer the GM. He left and went to Atlanta mm-hmm. with Tanisha Wright. So in that moment, I said, oh, well. Bill's gonna slide in the GM role, right? He knows how to he knows how to build a winning team. And then they announced Becky as the GM too. They're gonna have her do both. And then I said. So what is Bill doing? According to a couple of sources, Bill is to remain with the Aces. Currently his 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 task at hand it's obviously free agency just started. We'll get into that in a second. He's in charge of working with the, the, the ACEs uh, executives to construct the team. So I'm not sure if he's going to be, what what was Danny Ainge's uh, (laughs) title? Uh, Alternating GM. Yeah. Alternating uh, governor, whatever it is. I think
0: that's what it was. Yeah. Alternating governor or something like
1: that. Whatever it is, Bill Lambert might be in one of those roles. So I don't hate it. I don't. I don't necessarily hate that either. So we'll see. I will say, Salim, uh, I was going to call you on air, but we'll wait. We'll hold off. Um, I think Salim is going to like the move. And I truthfully think that Salim is going to say that the roof over the Las Vegas Aces has officially been removed. And I think that's what Salim probably, just for me being around him, I think he's going to probably feel like this team, the sky is obviously the limit now for this team. Now, fast forward to, uh, in addition to that, she signed a five-year deal to become the league's highest paid coach. You could argue whether she got that simply from the coaching, but obviously we just said that she's pulling double duty. So we will say among everything else that she's earned it, whatever that number is, I've searched high and low. I'll be completely honest with you last night. I searched for about 30 minutes looking for a number. That number's not out there. (laughs) So I don't know who's keeping that number behind uh, closed doors, but you're doing a great job. Uh, Speaking of free agency, Maybe this even—it's uh, either means that I'm a genius or it just means that I'm an idiot. Uh, I've been talking so much about Liz Cambage and how she won't come back and how uh, I feel like the uh, Aces may try to um, turn, may try to flip her into something and get something back in a trade. Um, Liz is a free agent, and I don't know why I didn't register. So Liz is a free agent. This is where I said I could sound like an idiot or or a genius because obviously that's why I could sound like an idiot. The genius is because that makes it easier to flip her, right? Right. Good sign and trade quickly, right? She can go out, go search for the best deal, and then start scanning the roster. Hmm. Stay tuned for that one. But in addition to that, Andrew McCutry is also. A free agent, and I don't know if anybody needs to hear this or how long we're even going to discuss this, but Asia Wilson is a restricted free agent. I've seen weirder things happen. Asia Wilson's not going anywhere.
0: No, I don't think is going to. anywhere
1: either. I don't think she is either, which is very interesting that you said that because I think Asia McCautry and Asia Wilson will be back with yep. the Aces, and I think they may be back on the first day of free agency. Oh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of women's basketball. I don't know man did you watch this game
0: we're talking about lady rebels right yeah Wyoming I didn't but I followed it on my phone
1: okay so you kind of you might you might have felt the energy switch through the phone yes it's so, okay good to know. two double- digit leads evaporated for the UNLV lady rebels hold on to your hats hold on to your seats the lady rebels did pull out the game to And here's where we're going to start with it I asked Coach after the game I said a 14 point lead in the first half That was cut to 3 A 17 point lead in the second half That was cut to 4 Actually that was cut to 2 Pardon I said How important is it And how does she go about it To keep coaching in moments like that Where when the team is up 18 When the team is up 20 This is how quickly it can change And the first thing she said was this is conference play. You're never going to beat somebody by 20 plus points. It doesn't happen. She said you know each other too well. You see each other too often. You know how each other likes to play. You know each other's strengths and weaknesses. She's not going to it's not going to work. I thought it was interesting. I, I told Coach, even before I did the interview, I walked by. We, we, we've sat outside of the locker room before, and mm-hmm. I'm not even the guy that likes to be the guy up to the locker room to hear what Coach is saying. But I was pretty far away, and I heard what Coach was saying. Uh-oh. And this was after a win. There's a reason why this team is sitting at 10-3 and 3 on the season, 2-0 and in the Mountain West Conference, and 6-1 and at home.
0: I have to imagine. I didn't read the story, by the way, so Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not like –
0: I have to imagine, though. Talk to me. During the course of the interview, it it may have even been off tape, that she had to have mentioned something about this being a learning experience. Uh,
1: Excuse me. More so – she said it kind of in that first question. So, like, the first quote in the story, you'll actually see it. Uh, She kind of referenced that, like I said before, it's conference play. So, if nothing else, if – For Alyssa Durazzo-Freskis, and I know I'm singling her out. Not that she did anything wrong, but I'm singling her out because she's a freshman. So this is her first look at it. Kennedy Winfrey, this is her first look at it. So, And even then, this is the wild part. Desiree Young, this is only your second time looking at it. Like, so it's still, it's still weird. It's still unique. And I think the the, the experience cliche answer that we're kind of looking for was in that. It was embedded in that in her explaining that this is conference play. So either get used to this now, or we've seen Coach pull people out of the rotation. So I mean, we're gonna see something come from this team. I'll tell you that much. And the interesting part was uh I talked to coach Lindsay about turnovers because just uh, just geeking out a little bit before this game, twelve games, six of those games, they have forced opponents into sixteen or more turnovers that's a that's an astonishing number. forcing a basketball team into sixteen turnovers in fifty percent of your game 15, sixteen or more. In 50% of your games, they go out against a team that's ranked third in the Mountain West for fewest turnovers and ranked 10th nationally for fewest turnovers. UNLV forces them into six turnovers in the first eight minutes of the game. They came in averaging 11.8. They had eight at the end of the first quarter. I believe they finished for 22. 22. I mean, it's yes, the lead was dwindling. And this is why I think Coach probably felt the way that she felt. At no point did it look like Wyoming was even in control of themselves. The fact that this was a six-point finish is why Coach blew up that locker room the way that she did.
0: I will say this. Talk to me. It being a six-point win— and particularly the way they got to it being a six-point win, I think is the exact reason why there's a difference. There's a very notable difference mm. in the men's side of the locker room and the women's side of the locker room here at UNLV. Dramatically different. So, es- especially after
1: what happened this weekend. No, keep going. Because if you don't read the women's game, you don't read the men's game. Right. Interesting. Let's let's finish up the women's and then we'll jump right to the men's side because I do have an interesting point for you. The women are back on the road mm-hmm. tonight. Yes, as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to go prep for that. That game is at 6 p.m. Guys, today's Monday, January 3rd. The Lady Rebels, we're at, are, they're at the pit. They're at the pit. We know how important the pit is, and well, the pit is in Mountain West. Maybe the whole country doesn't know, but we know how important the pit is in, here mm-hmm. in Mountain West. We'll see. This is a this is a big moment. This is another chance for a statement win, just in terms of just winning in hostile territory and coming off of a game that uh I'm pretty sure everybody involved feels like they could have performed better in. Let's talk about this man squad, man. <laughs> oh boy. Let's do it. Um, I'll be honest. Let me start here. I mm, I don't know. I don't want to apologize, but I'll preface what I'm saying by by saying I should have been specific with what I said. I said the Thomas and Mac was going to be empty for this game. I know everybody's going to be like, no, 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 you can't run from it. You're right. Obviously, San Diego State. We understand that. <laughs> if you've ever been to a San Diego State UNLV basketball game, San Diego State travels well. That's number one. So half of that building is going to be full anyway. Number two, I said that that was the ultimate hangover game. I stand by what I said. I need everybody who was in attendance for that San Diego State UNLV matinee game on New Year's Day to tell me how many students you saw in the building. Empty.
0: Crickets. I even looked down because I went to the game with some friends and we were near the student section and I I looked down where usually the uh, bulk of the student section is. Yep. I don't think I counted more than two rows. And then I thought, that's it? Like the rest of the student section was like maybe some scatters of like family here and there. Like, you know, parents that had gotten tickets from maybe their kid or something like that. But- I mean, I didn't see much of the, the sh- quote-unquote, the show that always travels to these games. Amen. I don't even, I don't know the exact attendance number. It could not have been more than, like, 6,000 at the most. And for a UNLV San Diego State game, this was empty. I think you were dead on with saying that.
1: I don't want to, and that's why everybody that's saying, no, you can't back up. I stand by what I said, but here's the, that's why I, say I just want to slightly revise it. This is another thing that I meant. If you don't if you don't understand the, se- the severity of what I'm saying in terms of there were no students there there were no students there I wish that we could do an average poll of the age I looked around I looked around. I walked around the time of said Man. it was if there were students there it may have been more non-traditional students I'll say that I agree with that let's go with that you know yeah. what's interesting because even in the rows that you were speaking about I, I tried to do the same thing yeah I was going through and I was like where are there because students sit in clusters so mm-hmm. I was like where are there clusters of students yeah I was looking at people, and I was like, just by the cluster, that's a family. That's a family. And then you get to an area, and I was like, oh, there they go. They're right behind the – that's the chair. Yeah. Okay, okay no, that's another – oh, that's somebody from Band Sitting Down. Yeah. You want to know what I also thought was interesting? You know how – and this is new this season, and if they did do it last season, just call me up, non-observant. But I looked at the the three-point counter. Might have been Bryce. I forgot who hit the three, but somebody hit the three. And UNLV's number now—they've hit a, a consecutive three-point or a three-pointer in 1,143 consecutive games. Typically, when they say that, and during the timeout they hit, they change the number. Their students behind there going crazy. They didn't direct anybody's attention to the ticker because there was nobody to change the ticker. let's move on to the game um UNLV I swear they, they they act like we don't know what we're talking about
0: I think the, I think people honestly need to go to a UNLV game and then you'll go oh this is what
1: T and Matt are talking about this makes sense now this makes a little more sense um UNLV did fall short 62 to 55 they opened on West play zero and one the interesting part was man I think I texted you right after and I was gonna ask um Coach this and I understand I understood the way that the, the, the press conference was going and the interesting part was they kept mentioning how good this team looked offensively over the last four games.
0: I'm afraid to ask who, who
1: meant that, who mentioned that. Tyler Bishop from ESPN. Okay. I, I looked around at the room and I said Are we all going to ignore the competition level? Thank you. That was. Because you know what my question was? My my, my initial question was this, because now I'm going to give you the stat. The number that you kept giving us this season was 65. So let me go ahead and give you a number. Yep. This is the third time that UNLV has been held under 60. Yep. The third time. This is the eighth time. UNLV has played 14 games, guys. This is the eighth time UNLV has been held under 65 points. I was going to ask Kevin Kruger, is this offense broken? And really, take the four games out that they were on that streak,
0: we're talking about eight out of ten games. And I'm so glad you, you drove that connection to the competition level because I was thinking the same thing the way on the way home from that game on uh what was it, Saturday. I was thinking to myself, okay, they've got some games where they've Cracked sixty five, and they've gotten to seventies, and maybe a couple, maybe a few eighties here and there. But yeah, they might have even had a ninety
1: somewhere in there against you, Whittier, right? No, yeah, they had a 101 against. They Whittier.
0: they cracked the century mark, yeah. But then I thought about the competition. I thought, okay, well, it was Whittier, it was Omaha, it was
1: Seattle. I think Cerritos College plays Whittier. It, it was
0: Hartford. I was going down the list. I'm like, okay, they they did. I think get to over sixty five over. Michigan, so I'll give them that. Maybe even Wichita State, but you start looking down the list, I mean, it. I don't want to rule it out. It feels like it's going to be a real tough test to get to the top five of the Mountain West. And I say top five for a reason, because when you see the bracket of the Mountain West tournament, you want to be in the top five. That's Just, where you want to be. That's the sweet spot. Yeah, you want to be somewhere in the top five. Uh it saves you a day of playing. Let's put it that way. And
1: when's the last time you and I didn't play on day one?
0: You may have to go back to maybe a Marvin Menzies' year. They how about to say twenty seventeen? Yeah, because they got to like twenty wins, I think. Right? It was was, was that was twenty yeah.
1: and twenty and eleven.
0: Yeah, and I think they did just enough to get to the the top five mark, which prevented them from playing day one. But outside of that, good good call outside of that, they've played in day one, which to UNLV's credit, they played well on day one. Aside from that Boise game. It's usually – It's – yeah. I'm, I'm sorry.
1: I'm the, sorry. The, I'm don't sorry. get me started with TJ, by I'm the way. Sorry.
0: don't get. Don't get me started with Damn. TJ, by the way. I mean, we, we could be here for literally another two hours with TJ, but I'm not going to go down that road.
1: I'm sorry. Uh.
0: Um, it's usually day two that we go, okay, this is what UNLV is. But you look at this year in particular – if UNLV's struggling to get to 65,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm looking down the schedule. Well, they ain't going to get Colorado State. UNR's playing a little bit better. Uh, they might split with Fresno. I mean, you look at, th- and I'll say it right now, because the game's going to be on Saturday.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't overlook Air Force. I'm not. Air Force <laughs> just beat Utah State on I'm the road.
1: i not Air Force.
0: Dare I, dare I say it. This team will lose to Air Force on Saturday.
1: I'm probably with you on that one. Air Force shoots the ball really, really well, and I think this is the interesting part. We just need to figure out how many games Kevin Kruger or this defense, this UNLV defense, is going to win Kevin Kruger and company. Let's just figure that out right now. How many conference games is his defense? Because that's going to tell us how bad or good they do right now. How many games can this, because how many, actually I guess we can answer both. How many games can this offense win if the defense is bad? Can they win any? In conference? In conference. Although win some games in conference. I mean, they're still No, I'm talking about can the offense win the game if the defense gives up 75 points? No. Are they going to get any like that? No. So my question becomes how many games can their defense win? It's going to have to win the bulk of their games in the in the conference. Are you I mean, you're over
0: looked- or under 6? How many conference games they have? 12?
1: Something like that. I'm about to pull the exact number because COVID has messed up everything, and I'm not going to give you guys the wrong number.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to say it's like 12 or 13 conference games they play, so that would be roughly half. I know we're about to get the uh, exact number, but it's a good portion of their schedule for sure conference play. Over under six games that the defense could win, and we're talking like, low-scoring, to grind-it-out type of game. I mean,
1: because in this game, San Diego State won, but they scored 62 points. Yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay, so more than I thought. Okay, because I was about to say, because I think Lindy and the team last year, I thought they played 16 conference games. They got 18 this season. 18, okay. So six over under...
0: Uh, Looking at their opponents, I mean, they could probably do it against Boise, one of the games. Maybe they get it against Air Force on on the uh, Thomas and Mack game. Maybe against Utah State. Utah State's not that good of an offensive team. I was going to
1: say Utah State. My my first mind went to Utah State. I think they'll get a UNR game. Hell, they might get both UNR games. That might be, you know,
0: as crazy as this sounds –
1: that might be the win this season.
0: If they sweep UNR, this team will probably feel good about itself. They'll be like, "We just did something. For sure. We just did something. TJ couldn't do. We did something. Menzies couldn't do."
1: I don't know if Dave Rice ever swept UNR. We would have to go back and and not to say, and I'm I know we keep saying we're going to get away from TJ, but we just talked about last season. Just making observations. TJ doesn't have a win against UNR at any school.
0: In Fact UNR worked tj pretty well to put it somewhat kindly talk about it I mean, and i
1: did ask one question uh to tj a long time ago that probably doesn't matter now but i asked him about like having to win over every team in the conference and everybody in the room kind of muttered and i was like oh now that i think about it <laughs> you haven't beat unr <laughs> i was like do you want me to correct myself on the mic so i won't but let's just address that question the best way you can now because I don't want to do that. But anyway, um I'll be honest, I guess 8 and 10. 8 and 10. I'll eight go 10 I'll, I'll go
0: one better. I'll go 9 and 9 because okay. UNLV historically has one game in there that they play like the world beaters.
1: And nobody expects it.
0: So the, uh, for that I'll I'll say I was going to say 8 and 10. I
1: didn't factor in that one game. 9 and 9. Can I tell you that I think that one game is at San at San Diego State? I'm worried about There's that game. There's a shocker somewhere in here.
0: I'm worried about that game. Really? I don't know if they have necessarily a shocker of a game. But looking down, that ninth win might be a UNR sweep. Because I, regardless, I do think they're going to split with UNR.
1: I think, I think they'll sweep them. I think they'll sweep them.
0: Um... Uh, if you wanted to point to a shocker game, I mean, dare I say, it, maybe they catch Colorado State on a bad day. Maybe. Okay. It would have to be a home game.
1: Are you considering Boise a, a shocker?
0: No. I think I think they'll at least split with Boise. They may put
1: themselves in a running for a sweep. I it's... don't know if they sweep Boise. See, I, I, so are, are they getting one sweep in here? At least one. They could sweep San Jose. Well, you already got one game postponed, so uh,
0: let's we'll okay. see if
1: they if they even reschedule them.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, if they don't, there you go. There's your sweep, one <laughs> and done. No. There it is, <laughs> one and done. Um. Yeah. No, they'll, they'll beat the teams like San Jose. They'll beat the teams like Air Force at home. Air Force on the road scares me a little bit, but Air Force at home is okay. I, I think. think. They'll beat them at home. Um. Utah State's a little bit down this year. They you might get the sweep with Utah State. Like teams like that that are down and that aren't playing well, they'll be okay against. It's the teams like Colorado State. And when they have to go on the road to a team like Air Force, when they have to go to a team like maybe even Fresno on the road. I think their road game against Fresno is – was that a Friday night? Wednesday night. Wednesday night, okay. Wednesday at 7.30. There's a game on the road I know for sure. It's like a Friday night – like it's like a, almost like a primetime game.
1: It's Colorado State.
0: Yeah, I'm really worried about that game.
1: <laughs> that's No, that's not going to
0: be – yeah, I'm really worried about that
1: game for you at LV. Yeah, that won't look good. I, I don't know, man. I, I won't say that this team won't get San Diego State on the 15th, only because exactly what I said is on the 15th. So you're going to see them two weeks after you just saw them. So that loss will be fresh in their head. We'll see what, what, what it looks like. The team is sitting at an 8-6 uh, and six record currently, 0-1 in the uh, Mountain West Conference. Second home loss. Only their second home loss. They're 6-2 at home. Their two losses came to UCLA and San Diego State. They are 0-2 away from home. And headed towards Air Force.
0: Let's see, eight and six, Could go nine and nine. Okay, so that's like around five hundred. That's about what I thought with this team. It's about
1: what we guessed. Yeah. Seventeen and fifteen would be what it is if, yeah. if they were to go nine and nine the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game at Air Force is Saturday, January eighth, seven p.m. Kevin Kruger did say after the game that because so much is happening with COVID, they are aren't ruling out playing on Wednesday. They don't have an opponent, but that's how quickly things are moving in college basketball who would um, they play we saw saint catherine get added to the schedule last season
0: oh let's move on let's yeah move please on. Let's do. on. don't get me started with that one please <laughs> don't no
1: is so everybody asking too and hitting me up about eric harper being named the athletic director for unlv yeah congratulations first of all uh been around for quite some time i will say Matt, maybe you can correct me, and this is just me just being observant, at least trying to be observant. Have you heard Eric Harper speak publicly yet?
0: To be honest, no. And it's gotten to the point. Sometimes I forget that he's the athletic director at UNLV.
1: I go, Who's
0: That's the what athletic- bothers me about you. Who's
1: the athletic director? Oh, yeah, 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 Eric Harper. That's right. Okay. He's at every game. He he's doing his job in terms of of being the face for the athletic department by, by without any type of gripes. I would assume for most people, um, we we were texting in a group chat actually yesterday, and uh, we were saying that I'm waiting to see the introductory press conference, and or you might have said let's see how it goes, mm-hmm. and and that's one of those things to where I didn't know what to expect, and as I said before, or if they don't have one, that says even more.
0: I wouldn't put it past UNLV to not have one. By the way,
1: if UNLV does not have, you know what? And this is not even me being that that guy that's trying to be like the super pro black guy because I'm I don't even uh, y'all know how I where I stand and y'all know how I feel. But plain and simple, I don't think I think first of all things change in terms of just the times. Maybe you had an idea with a later coach that you didn't have with your a previous coach. But I was here. When UNLV not only rolled out the red carpet for TJ Oslberger, he flew in on a damn helicopter. He did. (laughs) That was Yeah. I remember Marvin Menzies didn't get that. No.
0: I remember being at the TJ Otzelberger press conference and going, Did they just Yeah, they did. They
1: treated him like he was the damn president. Yeah. I don't think UNLV can afford to name Eric Harper their athletic director after he's been the interim and hasn't spoken to the public. To not do a press conference? Again, tells me more about UNLV because I will say, and if my reporting is wrong, my reporting is wrong. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. I have yet to hear that I'm wrong. I know for a fact that Dwayne Knight declined And Lon Kruger declined. I have said it once. I will say it again. Eric Harper was not UNLV's first or second choice. I damn near want to say he wasn't the third. They can't afford to not do a press conference. We can leave it at that.
0: You want a quick theory? Talk to me. I don't think UNLV looked outside of Las Vegas for an athletic director. You've got to be I'm almost cursed.
1: You've got to be kidding me. Somebody needs to be fired if that's the case. I don't even know who picks the athletic director. Or what boosters? That everybody needs to go. If they only looked in, in Las Vegas, did they call Mike Miller? Did they call, did they call? Did they call anybody? I don't think they did. Did they call Reggie Theus? See if he could poach him from Beth, from Bethune Cookman. He's the AD there. Never
0: mind. All right. They got him. I think... Good God. I think they took the same approach that they took with Kevin Kruger when they hired him. They... they To the public, this was a
1: nationwide search. They looked long and hard. I got an idea, though. I mean, I, I, I just had an epiphany. If that's the case, Rich Bisacci has nothing to worry about. Las Vegas is well, going to build from within.
0: I'll, I'll say this. If, if he wins on Sunday, he should... He, he probably shouldn't have anything to worry about. But, that's a, that's another kind of you know, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It's the Raiders, different organization, all that. Fine.
1: Look, but I, this athletic director thing is so.
0: But I, I mean, when it, we talk about Eric Harper, to me, I get the vibe that they looked at their watch. They went, oh, shoot, we don't have an a- official athletic director. Hey, let's just let's just take the uh, interim tag off of Eric Harper. We'll just do that. that. That's a good fix for us. It saves us a lot of money. We don't have to spend money on looking for a guy. We don't have to hire a, a, a hiring team uh, to go out and do this nationwide search. And the reason I say it would be very UNLV-like to not do a press conference, did Desiree take questions when Kevin Kruger was hired? Hey, man. I mean, I'm just making observations at this point, but... I mean, this would be the time where you're like, okay, this would be about the time you t- you do an inter- introductory press conference, you field some questions.
1: It's very, it's a formality. About the direction of where athletics is going. You just had a football program that didn't have a win for a complete season. The athletic director left, who hired the football coach. Yep. Let's move on. I'm gonna say something I'm not supposed to say.
0: But, yeah, I mean, not trying to knock Eric Harper. I hope he does a good job here, by the way. I, I do. I I just feel like I don't think he has very many tough decisions to make, at least in the interim. Maybe in the next two or three years he might have a tough decision or two to make when it comes to hiring, firing. But right now, I mean, you look at it. Okay, Kevin Kruger's in his first year. Can't really do much there. Marcus Arroyo's shown some improvement from year one to year two, technically. If he shows more improvement, he does have a good recruiting class coming in. Don't anticipate there's going to be much change there. He's probably all right there. Lindy LaRock's doing well with the Lady Rebels. There's not going to be much Sullivan of
1: a change. Don Sullivan just won a national title. <laughs> like,
0: okay. Like, I, I, I think like, if you're Eric Harper, like there's not very many tough decisions to make at the current moment.
1: Oddly enough, we all know that similar to Roger Goodell in the NFL, he has to answer to the thirty-two owners. Right? He works for the thirty-two owners. Similar to what they say about what cops—they work for us. We're, we pay their taxes, or we pay—we pay our taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric Harper is going to have to answer to somebody. And I know what we said about Desiree Francois when she was in here, and it's going to continue. I'm not sure how many outright decisions Eric Harper will be making anyway.
0: I think Desiree tried that for a while. I think she tried to be the it's going to be on me type of person when it came to making decisions. But as we both know, money can speak very loudly.
1: It's it's the loudest.
0: You get enough boosters that are saying, uh-uh, we're doing this.
1: Oddly enough, that's what usually ends up happening. I gotta get out of this conversation I'm gonna say a lot That I don't need to say Let's talk about college football Let's do it man Cause this is If my If my brain is correct In half of the stuff That I'm thinking This is just a real Nasty position That UNLV is in right now He would make a great Invest Investigation
0: story Wouldn't it Let's move on Okay (laughs)
1: Um, life is good. It is. Um, let's talk. Um, whatever. No books are falling. and I don't even care. Let's talk about the college football playoff really quick for the last, what, 15 minutes at least before we get out of here. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I said Romeo Cornell a couple of weeks ago when I was referencing Dennis's, Dennis Green's. Um, they are who we thought they are. Um, rant. Apologize for that. I've, I've forever gotten them confused since I was a kid. Um, Alabama versus Cincinnati. I'm ashamed to say, I feel like this is giving out a participation trophy, but I'm ashamed to say I felt like Cincinnati won on the way in because I felt like it was going to be a competitive game. You're going to be weirded out by this. I understand the final score. Alabama scored 10 points in that fourth quarter. That 17-6 game, one touchdown, And that game is different from Cincinnati. So I do think this was a good game for three quarters, regardless of the way that it went. It was a defensive game on both sides. Alabama wasn't just running it up on the other side. Granted, let's talk about running specifically. Brian Robinson Jr. had 26 carries for 204 yards. That's a 7.6 average. He didn't score, though. He didn't score. They finished off drives with Bryce Young, who went 17 of 28, 181 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Bama was up 17 of 6 after the third quarter, as uh, as previously mentioned. I don't know if Travis Kelsey said it, if Marcus Spears said it. Somebody said it, and I had just said it at the game. Bama didn't look impressive. I don't know how to feel
0: about it. If Bama didn't look impressive and they still won twenty seven to six, like they still won by three touchdowns. Yeah. And we're classifying that as not impressive. Yeah. Imagine what their impressive looks like.
1: Here's the issue though. I don't think we're gonna see it from this team. Anymore this season. They only have one game left. So I already alluded to where I'm where I'm where I believe the national championship is going a week from today, but we got a prime slot next week. Now that I think about it, right before the national title game. But anyway, let's talk about it. Twenty-seven six, obviously, is a, is, a, is a great mark at the end of it. There's a couple of reasons we're going to reference back to some of their uh, some of those numbers in a second. But let's get to this other college football playoff game because that was one beaten four. This one, <laughs> I said a while ago, and I don't remember when I said it. This one I probably won't go back and find. But we talked about Michigan after they beat Ohio State. And I said I just didn't trust Michigan. I just didn't believe in them. I said Michigan was going to have to win it all for me to believe it. I also said with Ohio State being the monkey on their back for so long, by them getting that monkey off their back finally, I said it only made sense that in order to win it all, they would have to go through essentially Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. That's running the gauntlet. They're not Alicia. They're not a- another team in, in in recent memory that I could think of. You have to go back to, oh, Pete Carroll with USC. It's like they were going to get past anybody. This Michigan team wasn't that. So with all due respect, 34 to, to 11, Georgia was up 34 to 3. Michigan scored didn't score their touchdown until four minutes and, and 25 seconds left in the game. That's what I expected so I say, let me give you the numbers first. Kay McNamara went 11 for 19, 106 yards, two interceptions for the first time in his career at Michigan. JJ McCarthy replaced him, went 7 to 17, 131 with a touchdown. They're saying it's going to be a quarterback controversy next season for Jim Harbaugh to, to wrestle with. But let's talk about Stetson Bennett, or Stetson Bennett, excuse me. Going 20 for 30, 313 yards, three touchdowns. And this is where we stop. Bryce Young had 181 yards against that Cincinnati defense. He threw the ball 28 times. That's where I'm going. I'm not sure that Bama puts up more than 24 points. I want to say 21 maybe. If Stetson Bennett is putting up 300-plus yards and three touchdowns on the top team from the Big Ten. Not to mention, let's just look at the way another Big Ten team looked. Let's look at the Rose Bowl. Did Utah have any problem scoring on Ohio State? No. Not even a little bit. Bama's going to struggle to score against this national championship or in this national championship game. I don't think Georgia will. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna route them. But I think Georgia's offense is gonna look a lot more fluid than Alabama. You disagree? You want to chime in real quick before I say something about uh, Stetson Bennett?
0: I will say I think Bama's gonna win the championship because when you look at Bama and a lot of people make the comparison, it's probably not. A wrong comparison by any stretch. Bama is kind of like the college version of the New England Patriots.
1: I knew that was coming.
0: They find so many different ways to beat you. And if they were sitting at a poker table, they'd be one of the best players there because they have such an incredible poker face. Twenty people look at the score, they say, Oh man, twenty seven to six. You look at what Georgia did to Michigan. I wouldn't let either one of those scores fool you. Yeah. You let's know. not let's not forget two weeks ago, Alabama ripped Georgia a completely new one.
1: You think Georgia forgot?
0: I don't think Alabama forgot either. And I think Nick Saban is probably one of the few coaches in college football that's not going to let his team forget about that and go, this is what we did to him the first time. We, we're capable of this.
1: We've been around long enough to know, though, coaches can feel however they want. They can't do it for the players.
0: I think there's enough motivation on the player's side, too. If, if you're Bryce Young, especially Maybe. in the NIL world that we live in, mm-hmm. you go out and you win the national championship... If you're Bryce Young, you already have a great NIL deal, by the way. I mean, before the season started, he already signed for over a million bucks. Before even touching the college football. Now, if you go and you lead Alabama past Georgia, I think there's a lot of NIL companies knocking at Bryce Young's door, knocking at, you know, whoever the case may be, wanting a piece of the Crimson Tide. Or wanting to be associated, I guess, with the Crimson Tide. Sure. Because... I mean, it feels like every time we label Nick Saban as an underdog or Nick Saban's teams as an underdog, ironically enough, I think they're three-point underdogs right now, doesn't this feel like the perfect storm for Nick Saban just to remind us? We're still Alabama. We're still here.
1: There is this one picture of uh, the team celebrating, and it it may be an old picture, but... uh... Actually, I don't think it is. Nick Saban is standing in the front, and he has, like, this smirk on his face where he's staring directly at the camera, but he has no emotion. And it's one of those moments where when I saw the picture, I shrugged, and I said, job's not finished. I get it. He's looking at the screen like, what's there to be happy for? I got one more to go in. And we, we've heard Nick Saban talk about it. We've heard Tom Brady talk about it. And losing that game hurts, <laughs> hurts more than any of them. So um, if you've pictured Nick Saban mad, picture Nick Saban mad after losing a national championship. Yeah. That national championship game is going to take place next Monday, a week from today, at 5 o'clock. So that means we need to make sure we do our show 3 to 5, get out of here, so you guys can make sure that you catch somebody's Championship moment, somebody's glory moment. I think it'll be Stetson Bennett. Really quick, before I even go with to, uh, go too far into that one, I will say Stetson Bennett scared me because he said something and I feel like you never say. He said, and do I have it up? Oh, I took it off. It is bothering me. I wonder if I could find it. But Stetson Bennett said that he didn't feel like it was his, Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He didn't feel like it was his job. This is exactly what it is. He said he didn't feel like it was his job to be a savior in winning the national championship. Of course, Georgia hasn't won a national championship in 41 years. He said it's as simple as going out and throwing completions to some very talented people. That's what a quarterback is supposed to say, right? This part bothers me. Maybe I'm not capable of holding that weight on my shoulders, but no, I'm just treating it as a football game. Did he just admit that he didn't want that pressure? That's the one thing that bothers me. That's the, the one caveat I have. Roll Tide? I know I'm rolling into the next week. Until <laughs> next time, guys. Keep on talking.